Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our King, Jesus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you're having a great day today. I want to remind you of a couple things before we get in this conversation today. just want to remind you about the Sons and Slaves podcast. If you've not yet found out about that podcast, it's uh, me and my sons, Ransom and Valor, who are the co-hosts of the show, and we are talking about boyhood and the process of becoming a man. We're also talking fatherhood, and I'm having good conversations with the men that I've looked up to as good fathers over the years. And so you want to check that out if you can. Also, we continue to have our membership. If you want to be a member of the Shepherd's Crook, you can do that for $5 a month. That gets you ownership over all the material that we put out for this year. You can get that right to your mailbox. And also you'll get a physical newsletter. And actually, I had it sitting around here somewhere. I have some paper that's vintagey, antique looking paper for the newsletter. So to go along with that wax seal, you'll get some nostalgic paper that looks like it's, I don't know, from 1892 or something. So if you want to be a part of that, reach out to me. That would be great. All right. On to our conversation today. I'm talking to a new friend and he's got a lot of great things going on. And it sounds like he, as he's been walking with the Lord, that God has opened up a lot of doors and provided along the way. And so those are kind of stories that I like to hear. I'm talking to Jimmy Daniels today. Jimmy, how you doing, brother? Doing great. Doing great. Good deal. Why don't we pray and we'll get to know you a little bit. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for a blessing upon this conversation. I thank you for for Jimmy and for what you're doing in his life and just exciting things. It's always neat to see dots connected about how you provide for your people and and take care of us. And we just take one step of obedience after another. And God, you just open doors. And so we thank you for that. As we talk life, hunting, work, family, all of that, I just pray you'd bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Jimmy, I I told you to begin with, I I just kind of want to get to know you a little bit as we record. So tell me a little bit, a bit about yourself, your family, and then what it is that you do. All right. So uh, I'll start with family. I've got one of the the more, I would say, uh, uh, Christian background, Southern uh, families that you could ask for. I grew up in North Florida. Uh, the county we grew up in, Jackson County, it's right next to uh, Mariana, Florida and Lake Seminole. Um, so I grew up in the swamps, running around with my cousins, having a good time. Uh, they have about a 600 acre farm that's kind of dwindled down to, I think it's about 400 acres now that's left. Okay. My grandmother had about 40 acres. Again, it's, but it got, it's kind of interesting. Everybody's on a piece of it now that's not on the other big farm. Uh, so I've got four cousins living on it, my dad and my aunt, uh, okay. my grandmother since passed away, but so that's the family, all school teachers, all Pentecostal holiness, except for my aunt. She's a Salem Wesleyan, but we still love her anyway. And uh, <laughs> and my dad, he's Methodist, but like we tell him, nobody's perfect. But uh, yeah. Hey, uh, but real anyway, quick, so, Church of God or Assemblies of God? Assemblies of God. Okay. Absolutely. I went to Church of God school in Cleveland, Tennessee. So that's it's kind of like, so, you know, Evangel is the AG school up in Springfield, Missouri. And then Lee University is the Church of God school that's in cleveland tennessee so right up 75 that's where i went to college all right on 
Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the family. That's the base. Um, and then myself, uh, you know, my dad raised me from the time I was five. My mother uh, had uh, some depression issues, uh, postpartum mm. depression. And uh, long since after I was uh, born, she still was struggling with them. So at age five, uh, she decided that she would leave uh, mm. just me and my dad uh, for the betterment of myself. And uh, I still talk to her every once in a while, probably about every, you know, two to three months, you know, mm. we'll chat. And uh, I always tell her thank you because I would not be where I'm at, I don't believe, if she hadn't made her decision because she was in and out of low-income housing. And I know how I can kind of get off on the wrong path pretty easy if I don't have a good stern base. Mm. Um, and so I, I thank her that she didn't drag me in and out of those kind of places. Uh, it just would have made it would have been it would have been more temptation uh, for drugs and things that I think wouldn't have, have had me turn out so well. Gotcha. Uh, my dad's not a man's man in regards to hunting and fishing. Uh, so that's what you know, we'll get into that a little bit later uh, uh, throughout this. But. Uh, he was a diesel mechanic and okay. I grew up in a, I grew up in a single wide trailer. And at one point I lived in a concrete block house with no air conditioner in the state of Florida for about two years. And I worked Ooh. on a dairy farm and uh, I'm kind of the last of, I would say the last of a, of a generation of what we call the Florida crackers, you know, the Tennessee and, and people that moved down chasing cattle to Florida. Uh -huh. um, we're just kind of the last of that, that breed of people. And, um, I said, I, I had a, an interesting young life, but I enjoyed it. And like I tell everybody, uh, God was prominent throughout it for me the whole time. Um, you, you always hear the stories of, of like a domestic disturbance or something. And a little girl said there was a man that she could see and, you know, describes Jesus. Or you, you hear that stuff or there's those country songs, the different stuff that happens. And for me, I never saw a figure, but you felt the figure of God. You felt the Holy Spirit the whole time. Um, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, oh, well, I'll finish up about myself. So I, I graduated high school, joined the army. Okay. Got discharged from the military for asthma. Um, and then I came home and, uh, just really worked on, you know, getting into church. I got water baptized when I was 18, uh, right before I left to go to the military actually. And I came home and talked about seminary a little bit, but I couldn't quite figure out what my calling was. So I just went to work. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want to be one of those guys that my grandmother used to say about pastors. Some were called, some were sent and some just bundled up and went. And, uh, <laughs> that's I a good I, saying. That's, that's pretty accurate. Well, I didn't want to be the bundled up and went guy. So I just said, well, until I feel a strong calling, I'll, I'll do this. So uh, two years uh, past getting home, I was in law enforcement and I got injured on the job in law enforcement. And I got a job. Uh, it was a blessing. Again, it was one of those deals where, where God just really touched, touched my life. He brought somebody in that, that could help me. Mm -hmm. And I became a boat salesman. And okay. after two years of selling boats, I got my captain's license and I guided for 10 years uh, until COVID. So until COVID, I was a professional fly fishing guide. Wow. Um, yeah, I was on uh, a couple of different television shows. It can still be found on YouTube. Um, had a book that I was in that's even got a couple of U.S. presidents in the book with me. So that was kind of cool. Man, that's um, great. Yeah. And again, it was just a guy that God put in front of me. I mean, you just all throughout my life, I look at it and I was like, it wouldn't happen if God didn't do it. There's no way that a simple country boy that grew up in a single wide would ever get to those places without something moving him there. Huh. Um, 
one of the stories that I used to love to share with people in the Grand Canyon is there's a layer of base sediment way down at the bottom that a scientist that, that, that studied geology told me that that was approximately three to 5,000 years old. And it was approximately, you know, 40 to 80 days worth of sediment. Now, how he knows that I have no idea, but he was a, you know, a Christian fella and he was sharing that with me. And he was indeed a, a biologist and a geologist, you know, they okay. study rocks. So he had multiple degrees and, and all this stuff. So I would share that with people on the boat that didn't know uh, the Lord sometimes. And it was interesting, the conversations that came up. And so I could feel in my God life, I could feel God really using me mm -hmm. uh, just as a, like I would think he would use a pastor. Um, You've you got a guy that uh, plants the foundation, you know, and then yeah. you got a guy that builds the walls and you got a guy that puts on the roof. And it was really interesting in the canyon <laughs> when I was with clients that I could see how God would use me to be a different part. Some days I'd be laying the foundation. I know good well, I'd never see those people again. So mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get to see the finished product of that baby Christian house being built. Uh, and some days it would be that you were putting the nail on the roof and it's like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. this is the day, you know, this is the day I get to pray with this guy and, and we get to see this guy finish up his journey. So it was really awesome to be uh, a, a fly fishing guide. And then COVID hit and I've been in, um, I've been in this uh, construction style industry uh, since then doing hurricane and disaster cleanup. Okay. Uh that's actually how I met Wayne Endicott and got back into archery hunting. Um, I had something I had done when I was really young. And um, I got into that by meeting him uh, through the fire that happened out there in 2020. They had that Labor Day fire. Okay. Um, we responded to that and worked there for a year and a half. It was a, it was a grueling project. In fact, I'm on a project now. I'm, I'm in the hotel on my lunch break. Um, but anyway, so we... Uh, that's about the, the, the wrap of my life in a short yeah. summation. So Jimmy, married kids yet? That down the line, maybe, Lord willing, or where are you at? Uh well, you're on that side. Uh that that's a bad part of my life. Uh I got married at nineteen years old. Her dad okay. decided that we should get married. Uh so you know, the whole thing of you two kids are gonna do what kids do, don't do that, and you gotta be married. Mm -hmm. uh, I was abstinent till marriage. I one person that can can say that, and I I was pleased with that about myself um and then we did get married but we weren't really in love um she worked at it the first two years and i worked at it the last two years and there was about a year in the middle where we overlapped we were married for three years gotcha and she, she joined the air force and um i don't want to uh, uh spread a, an untruth I, she got pregnant soon after we were divorced so whether that happened yeah. while we were divorced or not i don't know just the kids came soon after that yeah um and then her family wound up, her dad, who'd been married for 20 years to her mother, wound up getting divorced as well. So it's not a, a good situation. Yeah, that's um, tough. I, I feel like I should have been a, a better man at 19 and just told the guy, I said, look, you know, with all due respect, you know, your daughter and I haven't been doing anything and, and I don't want to get married just so that we can. But at 19, I just didn't know enough about. Uh, yeah. how to be a man to say that you know at 19 i had a, I had already carried a rifle and stuff in the military and hand grenades on my chest but that didn't make me a man and yeah. um as a man of god i wish i could if there was one thing i could do differently that's what i would have done different just just tell yeah. him with all due respect sir i'm, I'm not going to do that at this time and that would have been something i did different uh and i guess that's the message to any young person that might be listening is don't don't let somebody pressure you even if it's in the name of god uh to do something 
if you're not wanting to do it, you know, yeah, if you right. feel, most importantly, if you don't feel led to do it, I, I've since learned, even with buying a vehicle, man, in the last year and a half, I've learned the hard way. You got to pray over things and, mm. and, then, and then sit back and listen to see if what you prayed about is coming to you or if it's just something that you just want to keep here. Yeah, um, right. And, and it's a hard discernment, I think, for a young Christian. I, I would still consider myself a young Christian at 36 um, and having got saved when I was 18 uh, and then not really uh, – not really always been as close as I should be in the word. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, well, man, it seems like, you know, obviously God is faithful and you've got a testimony of a lot of difficult things and some things that you wish you would have done differently. And, you know, with everybody I talk to, it is interesting to see, you know, the, that God is faithful. There's things obviously that we would do, we would, we would do differently. I think every man's testimony includes some things like that where we say, man, I wish that I didn't do that. I wish that didn't happen like that. But the one thing that's common with everybody I've talked to is, man, God has been faithful and he has sustained and he's been there with me all and every step along the way. You just hearing you talk, it's the same kind of thing. You know, God's God's faithful. Well, and through that testimony, I share this uh, with people usually only in an intimate situation. But I'll share it here. Uh, it's kind of the first time uh, in a mass, mass group. So people say all the time, uh, how do you know God's real? And you hear that question. And I have a very simple answer to them. And, and I usually give them this. Have you ever seen $10 million in cash? No. Have you ever seen a houseboat? Yeah. Have you ever seen a semi-truck? Maybe five or six of them? Yeah. Well, you've seen what $10 million will do. And so that being said, I revert back to what actually happened to me coming back home on that divorce. Her parents were supposed to pick me up at the airport because they had dropped me off. I flew to Korea. She was stationed notes on. And I flew over there. It was 36 hours there. And then I was there about 12 hours and had to fly back. Mm -hmm. When I needed to go get my ticket, I didn't speak Korean. All I could say was, you know, on Hasio, hello, you know, and that was <laughs> it. And, um, and I got to the airport. The gals did the best they could to figure out what I was trying to do to get my tickets back. I had a 30 day round trip and here I'm back less than 12 hours in country. I need to get them swapped. So I'm sitting there with my laptop trying to get things figured out. And um, I was just, you know, I wasn't crying or anything. I was just sitting there, just about like I am now, just sitting there staring at the laptop. All right, what am I going to do? And a man and his wife walked by and they said to me, hey, God loves you. God's going to take care of you. He wants you to know that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, <Who are> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 that was about it. They said, everything's going to be all right, young man. We just want you to know. And I'm like, I, don't think I look like I'm in distress. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, what's the deal? So I get to Los Angeles and they had got me from Osan to Tokyo, from Tokyo to Los Angeles. And they had gotten me from Atlanta to Tallahassee. They missed a leg. Okay. So I'm like, I want these tickets to work. So I'm trying to get these tickets to work. And this lady walks over. She looked kind of like Queen Latif. She says, everything all right with you, honey? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm just trying to get these tickets to work. And I showed her and she said, you don't look well. And I showed her the rings and she said, oh. Oh, okay. Well, we'll fix that. So she fixed me up, gave me an extra meal ticket, all this stuff. I mean, just wonderful person. And just, you know, just more showed me love that I wouldn't have expected, you know, mm -hmm. from anybody. Cause I'm a country fellow with a country accent. A lot of times people are like, Oh, y'all don't like us. Well, that ain't the case. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but, uh, but anyway, so I'm, I'm going back to the plane. I'm standing in line at LAX. 
a group from Tel Aviv gets off the other side. At this time, I never even knew where Tel Aviv was. And I hated mm-hmm. to admit that out loud, but at, at 20 years <laughs> old or 21, I think at the time, I'm like, Tel Aviv, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's now getting off so and so place. So here they come by. This fella comes over and he puts my hands. It still brings me like goosebumps, man. It's crazy. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, Brother, I'm a missionary. I just got back from Israel and God wanted me to come and tell you that everything's going to be okay for you. And, and he's real. And, and man, I mean, just, uh, you can see it chokes me up. It's just the, the, the realness of God and you can see him yeah. and for the first time in my life. Um, I can see God, you know, it's mm-hmm. just as if he was there because everywhere I went through this really trialing time in my life, he, he was there and I was going to have some drinks, you know, on the plane because the lady gave me drink vouchers. Oh, honey, you need some drinks. God did it again. He set a lady next to me whose husband had just left her who had been struggling with alcoholism for 20 years of their marriage. Wow. And when he got through telling her testimony, I was so guilt stricken of listening to her that I couldn't even drink nothing. I was hmm. like, oh, that's not what we need. <laughs> so it was like, God's like, don't worry. I got you. I'm going to show you everything. Don't, don't do that. Uh, and, and you know, throughout the whole divorce process and everything, I didn't have the, uh, the need to get drunk or to get in a bottle. Cause after listening to that lady, I was like, oh, yeah, that's not the way to go. <laughs> and so that's, that's just one of, of, of many testaments, uh, that God did for me to show me that God's real. And I feel like until you see some of that stuff, you know, a lot of people won't ever understand that or yeah, know that. Right. Right. Um, but it, yeah, it, ta- it takes uh, for, for people, you know, the Bible talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sins and God has to open our eyes. He has to give us a new heart. He has to I mean, do something. And that's how all of us become Christians is that God does something. He acts. He does something that we can't do and uh, and shakes us to the core. And uh, and so he's got a way of getting our attention. And, you know, I think people for for a very long time, they suppress the truth. And then when their moment comes, God just does something, you know, the Holy Spirit works. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. So I'm a, a little bit of a poser here. I'm wearing an Orvis hat, but I just started <laughs> fly fishing, actually. I just like the hat. I thought that's cool. I caught two little bass in in Illinois. There's no rivers to, to fish. I'm right. going to Missouri later this month, and I'm actually going to fish the Jack's Fork River. There's some places to fish in Missouri uh, on just a family float trip that we're taking. So I'm going to get a few, I mean, hours at max with my kids there. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes, but uh, very cool that you're a fly fishing guide, but you said you just got into hunting, uh, get back into bow hunting though, in the last three years. So I got to just kind of know you a little bit through Instagram with the slim chance ranch. So how did you, the last three years then go from bow hunting to whatever it is you're doing with the ranch? I'm interested in that story and just the outdoor life. It seems like since the kid, since you were a kid, you were in the country. I mean, you were chasing animals. It sounds like, and and probably hunting when you were young. So, w- tell us about the ranch and the story of the last three years of getting into hunting, uh, bow hunting, anyways, and then to the point you are now. Okay, absolutely. So, uh, as I stated, when I was growing up, and is what you were talking about. Growing up, I was I was the outdoor kid that everybody would expect in Florida catching snakes. Uh, used to were those I pythons there yet? then no no we didn't have those guys uh, okay but we had plenty of black racers and green rats uh, green uh, grass snakes and rat snakes and my cousin ty god love him uh he used to think that we had those eastern hog snakes and he would say man i caught a cobra today you know his name <laughs> of selling cobra so but uh anyway that was always one of his stories but um 
but yeah, so I, I wound up, uh, you know, just, uh, when I was 18, I got, got a bow, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, I watched a lot of Bill Jordan's real trees outdoor on VHS tape. Oh that man. Kinda, that kind of dates us. Um, we still had the bark tree bark, you know, camouflage okay. the whole thing. Yep. So in North Florida, we have a lot of deer, but at that particular time, we were kind of on a down season of it. And I just got bored sitting in the tree stand. I, I was just bored out of my mind. So I got into duck hunting a little heavier. Uh, okay. That's something my family had always done since age 12. I'd been duck hunting. And from age 12 uh, for 22 seasons, I didn't miss a season until I met Wayne Endicott. And then I missed my first season. So we'll skip to that part. Okay. So I had bought 10 acres uh, in Florida on Lake Seminole for duck hunting. And I had it set up for duck hunting. And this is where the ranch comes in. So this will all tie in all about the same time. Okay. So I bought it uh, during COVID and I, I, right after Hurricane Michael had just hit us, I had lost, I had an RV and was about to, to put my RV on my dad's plate. It just, everything kind of tumbled down again. It's one of those things I build it up and then it'll, it'll fall down and we just keep going <laughs> kind of like a beaver. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I bought this property and I got it for pennies on the dollar because the hurricane had just hit and everywhere in the county looked like pilots. The, the, wow, the wow. trees were laid over. We had a cat five hit. So, um, there was nobody in the entire county that I know of that did not get affected, be a roof, a car, something damaged or destroyed our courthouse. Uh, well, it was actually across the street. I guess it was an older part of the courthouse. It was laying right. in the middle of the highway. I mean, oh it, was, it was bad. A uh, 200-year-old church that had been there since the Civil War took some damage. I mean, we just had a tremendous amount of damage. And mind you, we're 50 miles inland. Oh, really? So this, wow. property, was, this property was easy to get hold of. The guy that had it didn't uh, really look at how put together it was. It was actually in good shape, and uh, okay. I purchased it from him, and I held on to it. I worked some of the oddest jobs during COVID because, you know, you had to be an essential worker. Mm -hmm. I actually drove a, a – uh, it was like a moss and algae removal boat for the water. Okay. Picked up my clean ponds with it had snakes and these nasty little two-toed aquatic amphibia falling in my lap because when you pick the boom up they fall in your lap it was just oh, man. but no that's thanks. what i had to do to keep keep money coming in because i really wanted to hold on to that farm and i was like man i gotta keep this this little piece of property for my duck hunt mm -hmm. i got deployed out to oregon and like i said i wasn't there two or three weeks and i'm like man i got this is just i gotta get around out here and see what's going on with this bow hunting you know and mm -hmm. and uh everybody was telling me how fun it was because they don't bow hunt like we bow hunt like we bow hunt sitting in a tree we're exactly. bored all day you're eating little heavy cakes <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. um and for me like i said at 18 i went i went probably I, I, realistically i probably went 15 20 times never saw a deer i'm okay. like okay know what's this about so i just kept duck hunting because i see a duck every morning yeah so i'm i'm there at the shop and and wayne indicott and his wife lisa just loved on me like anybody uh it just was amazing and then um i got into to doing it and then wayne's like well, i can't take off and go with you but i'll tell you where to go mm -hmm. so i spent i spent an entire elk season um just running around doing the dumbest thing i'm not even going to what i was doing but i didn't see one let's just okay. put that way. i didn't see anything okay. so a little bit later on in the year uh it was october it was halloween and i wanted to go back and visit my dad because he had had a quadruple bypass and was okay. recovering wow. and uh yeah that's a whole nother story but yeah he he was recovering and so um 
I went down and I'm like, I'm going to get on my property and I'm going to put up a deer stand. So I called a buddy of mine. I was like, hey, man, you got any deer stands? He's like, I got a two-man stand I'll put up for you. Bow hunting is perfect. I said, excellent. Mm-hmm. So he puts it up. And it, in Florida, you know, it's typical archery season. You can take any antlerless deer or a buck, your choice. Okay. And so I see this doe coming through, you know, at 20 yards and I'm, I'm ready, you know. I'm like, all right, that's perfect. 20 yards, I got this. So I'm just focused you know laser beam focused i don't see any antlers and i'm looking and it's a big bodied animal uh-huh. so i'm like all right it's an older doe perfect all right you know so I, I i harvest it and i get to it and it's it went maybe 20 yards because wayne's got me shooting these grim reapers i don't know if you've okay those i've seen those, those yeah oh man those things are deadly uh-huh. so it went about 20 yards and expired <clears throat> I, I i did the cam haynes thing i run down out of the tree which you're not supposed to do but i just i could hear it you know, I knew it was expiring. I want to put my hands on it and relax it if at all possible and just try to have that thing. By the time I got through the swamp to where it was, there was none of that required. Um, I just said a prayer of thanks over it and, and started the process of of, of, of uh, quartering it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it blew my dad away because he's like, where, where did you learn that? But I had watched Wayne and these guys do that. And I'm like, uh-huh. I can do this. So I, yeah, you I got did this. it. Yeah, and in <laughs> 10 minutes, I'm pulling it out, you know, and just left you know that over there the carcass for the rest of the coyotes or whatever might need it which i think uh-huh. is is another great thing that they do out west they don't you know have a, a big pile of something that it's it's natural so to speak i mean because just like where the animal would naturally land that's where they are so mm-hmm. um but anyway so that was my first one and it was a buck and he was a buck that had not got above his ears because he was so old really thick bases oh uh, and, and, and he was a six but he was like on that very downhill thing and according to the jaw and everything, from what I was told, he was over six years old. Like oh, his wow. teeth were gone. Man. So he looked, he looked a lot like a mature doe um, because was, his antlers weren't there. So that that was the first buck. And then, of course, I get back out to Oregon to go back on duty, and and Wayne calls me. And uh, anytime you get to spend with Wayne Endicott, it, it is amazing as a Christian because he's always uh, he's always ministering or or. Uh, evangelizing depending okay. on what you need that day i mean he's just very in tune with god and, and making sure that god's part of the day i don't remember whether or not we started the hunt with a prayer or not i know i prayed because i was like let me get my florida behind up this hill without nine you know yeah <laughs> uh, and i was very sincere it was not one of those goofy prayers it was a, it was a, i really need to get up and down this mountain without dying right and uh and having not trained for it i really needed to pray for it so anyway we go up there with lane and i harvested a black tail and and I'm like, that's it. I, I this this is I'm I'm hooked. So mm-hmm. I called back to a friend of mine who's a real estate agent and I said, Hey man, I'm gonna put my place up for sale. He goes, What? I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna put my place up for sale. And by this time, COVID stuff like had went through the roof. Yeah, right. So I I, I and and in Florida anyway, it hadn't everywhere because everywhere wasn't open yet. That yeah, was right. Yeah. So Florida's like everybody wanted to be be here. So some guy bought it. Um he paid full price for what I had for it. And I was like, all right. So I had, um, when I told you I was fly fishing guide years before, I'd also in the wintertime to have something to do. I guided bird hunts. Okay. So like I would guide fly fishing in the summer and, and then bird hunts in the winter up in Kentucky. Okay. And have you ever seen Joe dirt? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know how, how devout of a pastor you were. That's not exactly <laughs> the most pastoral movie, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. But he, he has that town that he sees. It's like Silver Queen or whatever uh-huh. the name of the town. And he's like, I'm going to move there. Uh-huh. And I had had a town like that in Tennessee. And I, I won't name it because I don't want it to get 
everybody to be there. And I'm not trying to be greedy <laughs> with it. It's just I don't want it to get blown up because it is the perfect little town. Awesome. Uh, town, town of 492 people. They kind of made a joke. They got the population thing on the window of the diner. So when I walked in, they said, are you the new guy? And I said, yeah. yeah. And so they they marked a little, you know, just to be funny, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, um, I moved. I bought that property. It's 80 acres. I bought it sight unseen on the Internet. People were like, what are you wow. doing? And I'm like, trust me, I've been there so many times duck hunting because it's, it's real near real foot lake. Okay. Um, and so I'm like, I know what i'm getting i looked at onyx and base map i knew the contours and elevations and it's set up perfectly for me to do what i wanted to do which was build a 3d archery range and some bunkhouses now the bunkhouses that i'm building uh we're in the process of building them now we've got one big bunkhouse uh which is where i'll be staying for a little while as we finish everything up so the the bigger bunkhouse is gonna be about 500 square feet okay and the smaller ones are gonna be about 280 um Again, God working in my life. I got to take down last year on a demo job for my winter work. I got to take down the Primo's hunting building in Florida, Mississippi. Okay. So I have the lumber that came from the Primo's hunting building Man, to great. rebuild my cabins with. So, and it was, it was free. It was a blessing. I was up there kind of playing around with some paneling on the side of the building and the project superintendent comes by and goes, what are you doing with those panels? And I'm like, well, sir, I'm just kind of seeing if they would come off without us just demoing them with the excavator. And he goes, why? And I said, well, honestly, I just to not lie to you, I was going to try to sneak some of them out of here for my cabin. Just, you know, a few pieces. Uh-huh. And he goes, cabin, what are you doing? So I told him, you know, 80 acres, you know, it's my first first big property and I'm building this farm and I want to build a, a 3D archery range and have cabins where people that are uh, blue collar guys like myself yeah. can come, you know, 150 to $200 a night. <clears throat> you can go hunt the management areas or you can hunt my couple blocks of property that I've got there. So I've actually got another separate block of property my dad got for us as well. So that's what I want to do. So the guy's like, man, I'll tell you what, this is my job site. And since you didn't lie to me, um, you know, just take all you want. But if something happens to you, you weren't here. You did that off site. I said, understood. Yeah. So, so I got <laughs> that. So that. That was another blessing. Incredible. And again, one of those things, you know, God talks about uh, liars and lying over and over again. You know, one of, one of the things, uh, and I'll pause for a minute if you don't mind. I wanted to uh, uh, to chase a rabbit. Uh, yeah, go for it. Pro- Proverbs nineteen nine: A false witness will not go uh, unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Um, my, my aunt. So uh, back back to my childhood. My aunt caught me lying, and mm-hmm. and I was I was bad. I was just like I told you, single parent kid. Uh, my dad tends to be a mechanic, so he would embellish things. Oh, man, that fish, you know, if he was fishing, was this big or that was the toughest truck I ever, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I don't remember what it was that day, but my Aunt Phyllis, and, and you got to love her, she's sitting there and she's, she chews her fingernails like this. And she's, she looks at me and she goes, Jed, and that's what they call me. She says, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, that's a nasty habit. And she enunciates her T's like that. She was a school teacher, and so she's okay. got that thing going on. I said, what's that, Aunt Phil? She said, chewing your fingernails is a nasty habit. That I have to stop that, and I have to catch myself doing it. She said, you know what else is a nasty habit? And I said, what is that? She said, lying. She said, and I've been taking you to this church down here and, and, and everything. And she said, now, if you keep lying, you're not going to get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a 12 or 13-year-old kid, you're kind of like, what? You know? <laughs> And um, 
she told me about, you know, some of my stories and, you know, some of the things that it is I've done so much as a child, even I've been in 11 schools by the seventh grade. So yeah. it's not necessarily that the story I was telling may or may not have even been a lie. It could have been the truth. It's just that it wouldn't have been something that they were exposed to where they were at. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the case was in that particular instance, but it really stuck with me. Bless you. It really stuck with me to, to work on uh, not embellishing mm-hmm. and not lying. And that's one of the things that as a Christian, uh, I felt led to, to speak about on here is that the importance of, of not lying. I think, yeah. I think it doesn't get touched on as much, you know, um, and, and, and that's important. So, well, even in that, the, even in that moment with, you know, with, with the, the job, so being able to say, this is what I'm doing this is what I was hoping to do. And the fact that he even mentioned that is, is a pretty cool thing that thanks for telling me the truth. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, but the, the lessons that you teach your children and even your nieces and nephews as it goes to show for that, you know, uh, I, I'm one of those, I could be a chief of the Indians because it took a village to raise me, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's important. Back, back to the ranch uh, to get out of the rabbit hole, back to the ranch. So the intents of the ranch um, is to basically promote archery on the East Coast. Uh, I have some very cool hills and ridges, so I'm going to do, uh, not that I'm the best at it, I really hope to get um, some people from out West to come once or twice a year. Okay. I would like to put on like a, even if it's, I don't know which companies I'm going to reach out to, um, I know Cam Haynes just did a big thing with Mountain Ops. I think it'd be yeah, great. Yeah, I think it'd be great to do something like that on the East Coast. And what I've got at my property is I've got valleys, ridges, I've got benches, I've got saddles, I've got all this on my property and the topography. So I think it would be cool on a on a smaller scale that somebody that's been in Florida their whole life or Georgia or whatever can learn what elevations mm-hmm. to read and yeah, things. Right. And the other thing I want to do, um, is set up where you can shoot from, you know, they, they had it attack this year where you can actually shoot from, from the harness, you know, okay. which I think yep. is good to, to show people. So, um, of course there's waivers and all this, me and, and my CPA are working on all the, uh, the waivers and, and stuff and insurance I'm stuff to, probably and all that exactly, as well. Yeah. And, yep. and getting, uh, it's basically like outfitters insurance cover, you know, big okay. liability policy. Um, and there's some of it they're probably not going to let me do that's in my brain to do, you know, building different shooting <laughs> platforms and things may have to be, it may not be as cool as what I want it to be because you're going to have mm. to have handrails and all for, yeah. for insurance purposes. But that's the purpose of it. And then also during the summer, I would love to hold, you know, uh, you know, a men's camp out there where guys yeah. can come out, have something to do in the summer that's not beer and, and bras related, you know, and I, I say that a lot because, I swear that's where like most of the, I feel like the outdoor industry, that's one reason people say, why'd you let your captain's license go? I got so tired of Instagram shoving fish bras in my face that I was just like, I'm done with fly fishing. Mm -hmm. I'm not not going to put down my rods, but I'm done with the industry because they not so much like you've got Orvis on Orvis doesn't do it so much, but there's other brands that all they do is try to put a, 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 a young lady in front of you with, Oh, look, it's like, yeah. it's, it's not <laughs> what we came next for. to nothing on. Exactly. And, and, uh, as I said, not every company's that way, but, but for me, that was one of the, the growing processes that I just had to step back from and, and take a break from. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> man, it's been a lot of fun just talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. So say somebody's listening in and I've got some buddies of mine that 
I mean, they are really good hunters. They're really good with a bow. They've been, you know, archer hunting for 20 years. And we actually have a guy in our church that's got a 3D course as well. And he's working on it he, on his property. He's just got a little bit of property, but he's he's got a, a neat little course. And we just actually were talking on Sunday to that same guy about going up to uh, Wren Lake. There was a Wren Lake is a state park and lake that's about 30 minutes north of us. And they've got a really, really nice 3D archery park up there, apparently. So say so guys like that, listen in, like, man, this is interesting. So where are they going to go to find out more information? I know there's an Instagram page, but where else can we find more info from you? Well, for now, that's what we've got. It's just an Instagram page, or they can reach out to me at archerybuck at gmail.com. That's all together. It's okay. archerybuck at gmail.com. Uh, I've got a phone number in process that I'm getting from, from the number barn. Uh, with a Tennessee phone number, and, and uh, I'll, I'll be glad to share that with you, and you might can, can throw it into something else later, uh, throw it up on your Facebook or your Instagram. Yep. But for now, that's what we've got, and uh, until we get the cabins finished, which I'm hoping to do, I've, I've been down on this deployment that was supposed to be over in March, and it's August, so I'm still here, so we're a little bit behind on construction. Uh, I do have all the targets purchased. I've got upwards of about 20 foam targets, all the Reinhardt's right, right now. Um and then I've got uh, three bag targets that I bought out at the bow rack, and we're going to put those up the big morel targets uh, yeah. like the Endicott's have at their farm. So I've got one of those up now. We'll have uh, two more put up hopefully by the end of October. And then, of course, it'll be hunting season. And so after hunting season, I'm planning to open the range up about mid-February. Oh, great. And, okay. um, and then it'll be open uh, on the, on the uh, third Saturday of every month for the public. Uh, and then I'm thinking about just doing like a club membership, you know, 10 bucks a month, something simple uh, mm -hmm. where a guy can get a key to the gate uh, and, and to the target room and everything. And so that's, that's our plans. Awesome. And uh, like I said, most of that stuff has been purchased already and it's just sitting there waiting for me to get back and put my paws on it and get back to work with it. Nice. Well, there's a lot that we didn't get to and a lot more that we could talk about, but let's go ahead and wrap things up. I ask everyone the same question at the end and Jimmy Daniels, by the way, it sounds like you're a meat and whiskey guy if uh, if you just take your name together. Jimmy Jimmy Daniels, why do you love Jesus? Well, I just it's simple, man. Our salvation. Our salvation is Amen. the greatest gift to us. Uh, and uh, having, I, I just yesterday put up on my Instagram uh, all the people that I've lost in my life, uh, early some of them, and some of them were just due to Alzheimer's or dementia or cancer. But having lost somebody, you got to think about the the, the not necessarily the, the the brevity, I'm not sure what the right word, but the magnitude that God would give up his son. Mm. And I don't have children, but just having lost my grandmother, my friends, that immense amount of pain and anguish. But he would give up his son, not only in death, but also he gave him up to come here. So for, for, for you know, 30 odd years, he was here, you know, and that might be the blink of an eye for God. We don't know his time, but just the magnitude of all that. And just to know that, 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 Every sin was erased. Everything was washed away because he took that, put it on his shoulders. And uh, as a man, like I said, I know there's been so many times that I, I've not been able to stand up under that pressure mm -hmm. um, for myself. And that just to know that he's already done that for me. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes when you fall down, you're like, oh, shucks, I failed. And you get back up and you think, well, I failed, but God already did that for me. Yeah, um, oh, that's good, man. That's good. Well, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, brother, and uh, it's always good to end thinking about Jesus and his grace towards us, and just appreciate your time today. Everybody, we've been talking to Jimmy Daniels. Brother, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.